Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Arthur Company's podcast. Uh, Brandon and I uh, just got done recording the episode on residue management. We're still in the same place, so we're going to talk again. How's yes. it going, Brandon? Good again. <laughs> Nothing's changed in the last yeah. 25 minutes, has it? No, it has not. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Brandon and I, we talk podcasts a lot. We, we think we're going to rival Joe Rogan at some point, and, uh, and sometime we're just going to record four hours of us Shooting the bull, yeah. right? Yes. yes. <laughs> Nobody will listen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We're not that clever. No, we might have to put notes in there on where subject matter changes. <laughs> so maybe something interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be fun. It would be fun. All right. Well, we're going to talk now about grasshoppers, aphids, and spider mites. We're going to talk bugs. Uh, and it's kind of shocking that we don't have Justin Knott on the episode here today. Uh, that we're we're gonna talk bugs and his his ears are just burning right now. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and every bug that we're gonna talk about, Justin has got encased in a in some kind of a glass vial at home. Yes, right? I would uh, I would guess he could probably produce specimens uh, <laughs> for us of all of these species. Yeah, we're that's talk right. About today, but he's not here. It's you and I. Let's do the best we can to talk uh, talk grasshoppers. Uh, aphids and spider mites today uh again drier conditions tend to be bug years so what are you finding in the field brandon so finding in the field here eastern side of the state uh, actually to my surprise here is uh, the lack of spraying that we've had to do yeah we we have populations of soybean aphid uh, two-spotted spider mites grasshoppers you can find them in every field Yep. However, they have not reached an economic threshold in majority of fields. So we have the amount of spraying has actually been uh, less than a, what I was expecting here from about three weeks to a month ago. Yeah, I agree. I, when was the first time you saw an aphid? What day? First aphid would have been uh, right at the fir- week after the 4th of July. I was able to find aphids in pretty much every soybean field uh, from Highway 200 to Highway 46. And, you know, judging by them numbers and looking at how fast they can reproduce, I was projecting about last week of July, first week of August was going to be wide-scale aphid spraying. Uh, However, our hot temperatures and drier conditions, uh, the populations have really not taken off. No. They they are staying. uh, Some fields have reduced near to zero. Some still have a few in them, but we have not reached an economic threshold on aphids. So the, the, the economic threshold that gets thrown out there a lot on aphids is like 250 a plant, which I think is kind of funny as you sit there and <laughs> add by tens. But what, what do you typically look for, Brandon? Every, every agronomist is going to have slightly different recommendations here. What, what are you looking for? So I'm, I'm looking for that 250 aphids per plant and populations on the rise. Sure. The, uh, that threshold of 250, yep. actually there isn't damage happening at that point but that gives you about five, six days of leeway to make an application because they're expect that threshold is developed around having you some time to get out there and make an insecticide application prior to economic damage occurring. Sure. So yep. it's, it's more of an action threshold than a yep. true economic threshold. Yeah. Yep. No, and we haven't, we have not uh, sprayed one field 
in our market this year for aphids. Now, hoppers are different, and we're going we're gonna to weave this conversation between the three pests collectively because you have to, quite honestly, but hoppers are different. We've been spraying some field for hoppers. So tell us what you're finding for grasshoppers out there. So grasshoppers, uh, as small grain fields are senescing and moving into uh, being ready for harvest, uh, grasshoppers were primarily hanging out in, uh, in the wheat, barley fields, and uh, they are now moving out into sunflower or out into neighboring fields, whether that be soybeans, dry edible beans, uh, sunflowers, corn. They are moving into them fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, locally here, uh, they really haven't made too much of an issue yet on needing to spray borders in them fields. However, I'm uh, not going to rule out having to make applications yet. Uh, scouting will need to continue here for another two to three weeks for grasshoppers. Yeah, yeah, and we've had we've had some other geographies where we've we've sprayed a few more sprayed a few more hoppers um, east of here. I know Josh has recommended a few more applications, so the numbers are are obviously they change. Yep. So it, scout it, your fields. Yes, scout your fields. Yep. It, it, it's hyper local. There is uh, places. Yes, where we will have to do a lot of grasshopper spraying yet, and there will be places that we may not have to at all. And the bigger they are, the farther they move. Yes, yes, <laughs> so. they, they uh, you get get them uh, full adults, and they can uh, take off and move quite a ways. Yeah, so we we don't see it. we're I think in this geography we're a little bit more inclined. We know a little bit more about spider mites and aphids than we do hoppers. Be just because hopper we don't have grasshoppers all that often. Tell us a little bit about the life cycle of a of a grasshopper. So, like just general general look at grasshoppers in North Dakota. There's 85 different species that uh, that live here in the prairies of North Dakota. There's only four of them that really cause crop damage at an economic level that we pay okay. attention to. So when it comes to development in that, they lay eggs uh, late July, early August. They overwinter in the soil, and then they hatch the next spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, it, what, it comes out of the, uh, what comes out of the eggs is, is called a nymph. So mm-hmm. it looks just like an adult, just in a smaller form. They go through five different instars or five different growth stages until they get to an adult. From egg hatch to full adult is 40 to 60 days, dependent on uh, species. And that's dependent on, on temperature and moisture, right, in basically the month of May? Correct, yes. So we're talking about middle of July is when those adults are starting to feed the heaviest? Correct, Yeah. yep. Yep, and they'll feed along the whole way. I mean, we were in May already. We were starting to see young grasshoppers around, and yes, now they are full adult. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they a full adult eats a little bit more every day than a right. than a juvenile does. And and their their goal is to eat enough to reproduce, lay some eggs, and die. Pretty much. Yeah, yep, that's that, it. That's the name of the game. Yeah. So in theory, in theory, we will have more grasshoppers next year than this year. It, it doesn't always work out that way, but in theory. In theory, yes, we continue with yep. our current weather pattern. There's a uh, a chance that we have a higher grass or grasshopper pressure next year. You know, some of the things that uh, uh, you know we're looking at for this fall, I, just what we talked about, reducing uh, the amount of tillage done sure. this fall, uh, disturbing soil surfaces where grasshopper leg eggs are laid, will destroy their egg pods. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we don't till. That's going to make areas for 
right or from our eggs to allow to overwinter which is going to be for better chances um you know if we if we do have an open winter and get a very cold you know very very cold snap for a couple of weeks we could actually hurt populations that way too yeah uh, there, there are there are a host of different environmental conditions that will will kill a grasshopper, and uh, I know that's uh, Justin. Justin like loaded us up with information about the Rocky Mountain locust infestation of the 1930s. Yes, I'm not yeah. going to do it justice. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, they <laughs> they were a species that uh, even you know through the 1800s you can read about uh, as uh, settlers were moving out to the prairies uh, here in you know the basically the central part, North the Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, that area, there were uh, several flights of the Rocky Mountain locusts. And uh, as farming practices changed, uh, they lost their places to reproduce because the soil was being disturbed. Mm-hmm. And that locust or that species of grasshopper is now extinct. Sure. And, you know, <laughs> I, human, you know, and it's weaved down to... Uh, bringing in tillage into the area to farm, uh, then uh, changing, uh, actually moving livestock up into the into the foothills of the mountains. The you know cattle trampling along the edges of streams is one of the areas where these where the Rocky Mountain locust wanted to lay its eggs. Well, the cattle trampling along them streams destroyed egg masses, and yeah, but the last actually the last living specimen was 1902 was when it was found in the southern canadian prairies it's a long time yes it's a long I time and 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 i get just that gives us a little bit of a uh, little bit of color that it doesn't necessarily take a uh, you know a a lot of insecticide to uh, co- solve the problem the environment environments can solve the problem itself yes yeah uh, you know one of them that uh, one of our species of grasshoppers that has uh, does do economic damage in North Dakota is the clear-winged sure. uh, grasshopper. Mm-hmm. That is one that can almost be impossible to find for eight to ten year periods, and then they will have a really quick five to six year ramp up in population if conditions are favorable, and then they go kind of go by the wayside. Essentially again. disappear for some time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and all that's weighed into weather conditions, uh, natural pests such, such as uh, fungi and bacteria that right. actually... Uh, affect egg masses or affect adults and don't allow them to lay eggs. Yeah. So that grasshoppers are, yes, typically driven by uh, drier conditions. However, extreme drought is still not good on them either because they don't have food to eat. Sure. They'll, act, they'll starve to death and not be able to lay eggs. So super dry conditions can actually you know, lead to loss of grasshoppers as well. Right, yep. Well, last, l- lastly, as far as pests, let's touch a little bit. Tell us a bit, a little about the two-spotted spider mite in soybeans. Yes, uh, very small. Yep. Uh, you know, if you want to go see if you got them in your field, uh, grab yourself a, uh, a a sheet of paper and lay it below your soybean canopy and shake your plants, and you'll get some uh, dust-looking particles on your sheet of paper, and then uh, pick it up and uh, start looking for the dust particles to move around. Them are two-spotted spider mites. Sure. Um, ideally, if you want to get a good look at them, you probably want to have a magnifying glass. Yeah. But, yep. um, they feed on the bottom side of the leaves. Uh, their their injury is called stippling. So you'll start to see almost like venati- small venations in the leaf. An economic threshold isn't and to spray for them. 
is until that that stippling or that feeding look is showing up in the upper half of the canopy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we can find them almost every year feeding in the bottom two, three sets of leaves on soybeans. Are uh, how are you finding them very often today? Can find them. Uh, however, same thing. They have not taken off or flared up sure. to a point of needing to really take care of yet. Yeah. And the and the dry weather, wet weather, they, they tend to flare more in dry conditions. Yes, they uh, they prefer dry weather. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the insecticides that we have to offer. Unless you had something else to to share about the pests in in mind today. Yeah, it, you know the biggest thing on the pests right now is uh, is be out scouting fields. Yeah, and, and be looking for that economic threshold level yep. uh, to go out and use insecticides uh, for pests that aren't making economic damage is not a great great way to preserve. Uh, what few technologies we have in the insecticide world. Yeah, and, and hoppers threshold is somewhere around 10 per square yard, if I remember right, It's and it's a fairly wide threshold range. What's What What do you recommend, Brandon? I, I always uh, watch for defoliation. Yeah, so okay. Look, obvi- you know, look for a population uh, and also need to be able to identify what growth stage they're in. Sure. You know, are you working with all adults that could be dying off in the next week? Or are you working with a bunch of uh, small uh, juveniles that are going to feed for another three weeks? Yeah. Okay, if we're at, you know, soybeans right now, R4 to R5 growth stage, mm-hmm. uh, 20% defoliation is the cutoff for when we're going to start causing yield damage. Yep. Now, whether that defoliation is from, whether it be hail or insect damage, uh that is where you're going to start causing damage. Now, if we got a bunch of adults and we're at 10% defoliation, don't worry about it. We got a bunch of juveniles and 20% defoliation out in the field. Makes sense. And it's time to go get some of that yeah. insecticide loaded up and uh, take care of some grasshoppers. Yeah. Uh, they do like to eat on more succulent areas of the plant, so they may not be always feeding on the leaves. So looking inside the canopy on soybeans and dry beans and uh, – Make sure they're not uh, feeding on pods or clipping, actually clipping pods off. Sure. Yep. Yep. And if, if all you have is hoppers, okay, if all you have is hoppers um, and, and you're not a soybean grower, okay, it's this, it's much easier to control the hoppers. You got a variety of options, right? But what is it about soybeans, Brandon, that makes us pick insecticides a little bit more uh, analytically? So, uh, the last time we really had a soybean aphid uh, issue in it's North Dakota, it was t- four years ago. Yep. 2017 was right. the last time we had to do a lot of soybean aphid spraying in North Dakota. Uh, it was identified that we had uh, resistance to the pyrethroids. So that'd be uh, your warriors, uh, your bifenthrin-containing products right. uh, were not being efficacious on killing soybean aphids. Yep. Uh, so if we got soybean aphids and grasshoppers... Uh, I would not look at the uh, pyrethroids. Yep. That's not a, uh, you're, you're probably going to be disappointed in your, or you run the risk of being disappointed in your control on soybean aphid. The, the pyrethroids do a good job at high rates on grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they are a good insecticide. Yep. And, and to be clear, 2017 was the last time we had to apply a fair amount of fungus or a fair amount of insecticide to control soybean aphids. 
And that was the first year that we found pyrethroid resistance in a population. Correct. So we don't really know what we're going to find when they come back. This is this would be uh, this. If Justin were here, we may we may talk about this for quite some time and and uh, and what to expect from a population of aphids many years later, right? We don't know, but um, that made us pretty hesitant to recommend anything other than clopyrifos on aphids. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, luckily we've had a couple of new uh, aphid only insecticides that have been released to the market. Uh, Corteva has uh, Transform, right? And uh, we have uh, Safina from BASF, yep. um, only efficacious on aphids, right? So, if you want if you got aphids and grasshoppers, yeah, uh, you're still going back to your Clopyrifos, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it, that's a, an exciting part about the industry as we go forward. Here is we're having some very selective insecticides coming out. Um, uh, certainly, that's that's going to be it's going to be ultimately a really good thing for our industry because broad spectrum bugs. I mean, broad, broad spectrum insecticides ultimately um, aren't aren't that great for for the uh, for for our crops. Quite honestly, right. No, there's plenty of there's plenty of beneficials. Yes, plenty plenty of beneficial insects that live in our live in our crops. That with a broad spectrum uh, insecticide uh, right. like the pyrethroids, uh, your warriors or bifenthrins, or clopyrifos, uh, they kill them, and right. we lose that beneficial insect in the field. Yeah, and a good example of that is spider mite flares. Yes. Uh, if if all we do is kill kill the aphids, if we're going out there for grasshoppers and aphids, and we pay no attention to what kills a spider mite, what happens, Brandon? Yeah, if we you go out with a uh, product uh, like uh, Warrior, yep, that pyrethroid, yeah, you will you can if you have a susceptible population of aphids and you have grasshoppers, yep, you wipe them out, but you have uh, two spotted spider mite out there, it's like giving them Viagra. Sure, they go into reproductive overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank they, you for that analogy, Brandon. Yes, it, they, uh, <laughs> it, it actually shifts their population where they uh, pr- the uh, the new generations of spider mites produce more females, so the populations go absolutely rampant. Right. Uh, now, on, now that, that doesn't apply to all pyrethroids. Bifenthrin at high rates will actually kill two-spotted spider mites. Yeah. And it, and we won't get into rates a lot by fenthrin, by fenthrin and clopyrifos. So uh, are are the two active ingredients. One's an organophosphate, the other is a pyrethroid. And they are the two active ingredients that in this geography we've we're, we're leaning on the most in 2021 for that reason. Correct. Yep, yep. we don't with drier conditions, we don't want to be flaring spider mites. Uh, you know, you run your you run your chlorpyrifos, uh, Laura's band are generic equivalents. Right. You will get all three of them. Yeah. Yep. 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 So is there some other um, some other products to note? There's there's been a fair amount of uh, mixing between chlorpyrifos and some kind of a pyrethroid at lower rates. Generally speaking, we haven't leaned that route. It, it's kind of a half rate of both, and we prefer a full rate of one or the other. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, the best analogy I can give to this, it would be uh, some of these pre-mix insecticides. We have half rates of 
of both. And uh, you know, a good analogy is let's go out with 16 ounces of Liberty and 16 ounces of Power Max and go sure. try to kill weeds. Yep. I don't think we're going to be very happy with what we get out of that. Right. Yeah. The same thing applies to insecticides. If we want to preserve our technologies with insecticides, we need to be using full labeled rates yeah. so we do not drive resistance. Yeah. No, we do. And, and we do want to be using full labeled rates. Um, and, and we do want to use them sparingly. Let's be clear. I mean, we, we want to protect these actives. Uh, Clopyrifos, Lorsban, is one that is kind of in the crosshairs of, uh, of the industry. We may not have that ac- active ingredient forever. No, no. Um, uh, we, you know, using the economic thresholds, yep. uh, and you know, even as we move forward, other cultural practices, so we can eliminate or try to limit our use of insecticides, is going to be uh, very important for us as an industry to make sure we have tools in the toolbox for the future. Yep. Yep. So ultimately, guys, um, please come in and visit with us. It is, uh, it is a decision that uh, we take seriously, and we'd love to help you out with it. And, and it is certainly one that takes, uh, as we've talked about here on today's podcast, takes some consideration. It is, uh, it is not necessarily a, uh, an, an easy recommendation. If you just have hoppers, and I say just have hoppers, but if, if you have hoppers here later in the summer, rest assured there's a bunch, of, there, there's a bunch more options than what we just outlined so by the time you don't have to worry about aphids or mites then you've got some some quite a few options yes yep there there's other options uh as we move into later summer uh, especially approaching harvest uh, on soybeans if we're looking at maybe some pod clipping or something Mm -hmm. like that going on with grasshoppers uh be cognizant of uh, pre-harvest intervals on on insecticides right yep yep cool Cool. Well, Brandon, anything else to add here? I think we've uh, rounded off what we set out to talk about today. Yes, absolutely. The uh, big takeaway notes is just uh, continue to scout and and make applications where needed. Uh, uh, But if they are not, uh, uh, keep the insecticide in the shed and uh, keep the dollar in your pocket. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good luck uh, harvesting your wheat crop here. For anyone listening, it's uh, July 30th. There are some combines in the field. Stay, um, stay safe, and hopefully you find some uh, surprisingly better yields. So we'll see, you, uh, we'll see you next time on the Arthur Companies Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. 